Hey beautiful, we are back for the second part of Kelly and Josh's story. They have been so gracious and so vulnerable to share their story of betrayal and redemption, how God is doing a massive work in their life. And I'm excited about sharing part two with you today. If you've not heard the first one, it is below in the show notes. I've linked it down there for you for easy access. So go ahead and take a listen. Today, we are kind of getting back into it where Kelly is actually sharing how she found out about her husband's affair. Stay tuned. Hey beautiful, welcome to Beauty Beyond Betrayal. Have you discovered your husband's been having an affair? Do you just want the pain to stop and be able to take a deep breath again? Do you find yourself up late at night Googling how to save your marriage, heal from an affair? Do you wake up with the hope that this nightmare would end only to feel crushed and humiliated because your husband acts like the affair was really your fault and now you're left obsessing with where he is and if he's seeing her again? Hey, I'm Lisa. I too was devastated when I discovered my husband was having an affair. I too felt the pain would never end and wished he would just stop the affair and we could restore our marriage. I wanted the weight of the trauma to be lifted so I could breathe again and be able to have someone, anyone help me climb out of the dark miry pit of despair so I could begin to heal and be confident in me again. But I kept telling myself, he won't stop seeing her. Must have been my fault. And this pain, it'll never go away. Until I found hope and healing in Christ, along with simple techniques that helped me to learn how to recover from the betrayal. In this podcast, you'll discover what betrayal trauma really is, learn simple techniques to heal and recover, and get biblical guidance to help you make the right choices as you heal from the affair so you can be free from the heartbreak and the pain and rise in confidence once again to be the woman God created you to be. So beautiful, grab your favorite latte or a glass of wine, snuggle up on the couch and focus on yourself for a few minutes. Let's dive into what it really means to rise up from the ashes of betrayal and loss into a life that you really desire. People exits from that area, the housing area, like why did you come out right across from our house? But I'm glad he did because I saw this. Um, and I said, what, what were you doing over there? You told me you weren't going to do that. Well, I just told you I wouldn't because I knew you'd be mad. Yeah. So anyway, so still never suspect anything. Fast forward 10 years and through, throughout the years when we'd have a disagreement, every now and then I would bring that, that day up. And I don't know why. It always bothered me, but I never thought anything, you know, uh, CD was going on, I'll say, but I'd say, and what about that time I caught you coming out of her, uh, her house and working on her car and he never have anything to say about it. I don't think, I don't ever remember you having anything to say. He kind of just like, because, not because in my mind, if I would engage, you know, and start talking about it, it would just you leave. You would have to come clean. You would have so, to. Right. So when you, when you finally told her about it, when you finally looked at her and said, yes, I actually had an affair. What for you, Kelly, what was that like for you? What was your initial reaction? Well, I looked at him after confronting the, the current cell phone conversation 
and I don't know why. And I say this had to have been prompted by the Holy Spirit because, like I said, I had no reason to ask this question. And why this came up in this conversation, I guess, because it had to do with another female. Mm -hmm. I said, and what about that person's car you worked on? Did you have sex with her? Just real angry. He hung his head in silence. And in that moment, I can't even tell you what I felt. Like it was total belief, disbelief and shock, like blindsided. And just him not answering, he eventually did say yes. But I knew before he even said yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's like the sky's falling. Your heart's being crushed. Your pulse is exploding. Everything's spinning. I don't know. I don't know. There's still a lot from that day that I really have to think Like, I don't remember all the details. It was just complete. Your whole world falls apart. Like, yeah. Yeah. Josh, what about you? What, when, when you finally spoke those words, what did you initially feel? Well, I was just, uh, I felt a lot of fear and kind of uncertainty. And, but kind of at the same time, it was just a relief as well. I mean, it sounds selfish to say that, but it's, it's like at that moment, you know, the chains and, and the locks that I had around me were, were just removed. And I was able to actually, it was just the first step to honesty and transparency, you know? And, but like, I I was fully prepared when I said yes to just live in a van down by the river, you know, because like I said, I had thoughts and I would wake up and have these random thoughts of I'm going to hell. So in my mind, I had got to thinking, well, I'd rather, do I want to be divorced or separated and never see my kids and be paying lots and lots of child support and living with friends and living however I can, like, I'm pretty resourceful. I can, I can live with very little. So in my mind, I was like, I'd rather be honest and open and confess and be right with God yeah. and know that I'm going to heaven and then my relationships reconcile, yeah. then continue down this, just yeah. this prison for, for, for how long, you know, like how much longer could I've done that till the, I didn't want to be till the day I died. Like, have a deathbed confessional or something i cheated on you you know like we had a we had a friend that was the other thing that the holy spirit god kind of was working on my heart as we had a friend family friend he was on his deathbed and it was just mere days before he passed away and he told his wife that he had cheated on her with multiple partners men and men and women and i saw what his wife went through with the grieving process, losing her husband, like it was just a mixture of anguish and grief and and, and anger and all of this. Yeah. She couldn't really properly even. A lot of anger. Yeah, a lot of anger. So grief. I said, I just don't want to be in that position where I'm, you know, having these deathbed confessionals. Like I, I want time. I need time, you know, like I need to make things right. So ultimately, that's why I said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you both, you know, you both bring out exactly what it's like, you know, for 
the one who has been unfaithful, it is a relief. The, the secret that you've been trapped in, that lifestyle, um, all of it is unveiled. So there's like breathing room for you. But on the flip side, for the one who's betrayed, it's like you're just entering into this massive, explosive devastation that's been thrown upon you that you had no clue was even there. So while he's been living for years, you're just beginning. Right. So he had 10, 10 plus years to process it. So his, right. what is in his past now became my reality. He dumped all of his crap onto me that day. Yep. 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 But it was also like when I discovered like those emotions I described that I was feeling at the same time, and this is really weird. It was like, I also felt a relief. It was the weirdest feeling with everything else going on and swirling around. It was like an aha moment. Like, oh my gosh, now so much makes sense. This is why he's been so distant distant and, and almost hostile, like not wanting to con- uh, connect emotionally. Like, you know, he wanted to have sex and our sex life was almost non-existent at this point. It was on life support big time. Yeah, um, and I kept telling him, I ordered a book called uh, The Great Sex Rescue. And mm-hmm. He started reading that. We only made it like three chapters in and it kind of like Pistle. fell by the wayside. And of course, he didn't bring it back up to read. Yeah. So um, I, I kept telling him, I said, I can't be your sex robot. Like for a woman, I need to feel like you love me, that I'm important, that you want to hear what I want to say, like you want to listen to me. I can't just show up in the bedroom and be like, all right, baby, let's go. Because it doesn't work that way. Yep. So just a lot of things. It was a big aha moment that day. And in a way, the way he sat there, like I could tell something was different. And it's almost like I saw a little boy. I don't know why at that time, because I I had a lot to learn with what we've been learning over the last, it's been like, what, eight months, eight months now. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, in in a way, there was a relief for me. And I, I was so mad. All I could do for like the first day or two, I felt like I needed to pray, but all I could manage to pray was God, now what? Yeah. Now what? Well, you're beyond, you're beyond words at that point. You just really don't know what to say. You know, when, once this was discovered, you both were then faced with the reality of you know, what do we do now? Um, Now there's this devastation. There's this uh, mess of a marriage that we have in front of us and we need to heal, right? Now you both ended up in a healing journey. Kelly, you and I worked together and, you know, Josh, you ended up working with someone and, you know, Do you share just really briefly, if you don't mind, Kelly, for you first, you know, how did working with someone in a recovery you to educate yourself and to work through some of the hard issues? How did that help you? That was huge. Just having guidance because your emotions are all over the place. Yeah. And like, and you know what it's like because you've been through it. I prayed for you. So 
we in the beginning, like I'm a researcher. I love to learn about things. So, you know, my first uh, instinct is to Google things like mm-hmm. my husband had an affair or whatever it was. The first thing we just we stumbled upon or I just stumbled upon was affair recovery. So I just started like devouring their videos and their mm-hmm. articles. And at this point, he's already willing to do like whatever. Yeah. Um, pretty much right on. Um, so we start doing this together and we did their boot camp. And uh, what else did I find? Well, anyway, I started uh, podcasts. So I just searched one day for a fair recovery in the search bar on podcast. And I was scrolling through and I was like, I don't even, how do you know which one to pick? Cause I'd already been, I had already been praying like, Lord, please lead us to where we need to be as far as resources, because you don't want to waste time. Like I just wanted to roll up my sleeves and like start learning and like, what do we have to do? Um, and you know, a lot of recovery stuff is very expensive. Like yep. a lot of these groups and, and things you can get involved in. So that, that's like a huge issue for us. And I stay home. So it's a one income family. So I scroll and like, probably, I think your podcast was that I want to say like five or six down the line. And I've never told you this, but the reason I picked yours was I liked the picture. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that picture was prayed over. Okay. So So I, I picked that, that your podcast and I started listening and man, everything made so much sense. And it was like, I'm not crazy. Oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. And I, under one of the show notes, I saw that you had coaching sessions. Yeah. I'm like, I think I want to do this. So I was telling Josh about it and he's like, so do you think that you're gonna, you're gonna reach out to her and and see? I said, well, I'm going to listen to like another podcast or two just to be sure and decide. (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And you know, that's how, that's how we got linked up. It was amazing. Your, your journey has been absolutely amazing. Josh, what about you? I know that, you know, you got into recovery work and, and um, then you and I met later on, how was it for you to be able to have someone help you along the way, finally help you along the way? It's very crucial because probably the biggest part of recovery for me has been identifying your weak areas um, and you know, basically connecting you with other men is very important because it's amazing for a lot of men out there, uh, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever men are listening to this, it's like, it's hard to have a real true male connection in this world, in this society that we have now, because, uh, well, men just have a bravado about them, you know, and you only want to project like your best side. Um, so to have another man to really lean on, to let kind of have a peek into your struggles and your weaknesses and all of that is. And that understands. And understands, you know, has that kind of, you know, been there, done that type of thing. It's that's, that's crucial because when you're, when you're feeling, when you are struggling, you can reach out to them or in, in a moment of triumph, you can, you can reach out to them and they can, uh, you know, basically uh, rejoice with you or, or pray with you or whatever, you know, it's like, so that's a really big part of it is, you know, identifying your weaknesses, having that, those other males that you can tr- have a true male on male like relationship with. 
yep. and also understanding kind of why you are like you are as an adult yep. and the woundings that you have received as a child and how it kind of those formative years, how it kind of has set you up to respond in certain ways when it comes to relationships and how you can basically reverse that, yeah. um, identify it, go back to the, you know, the point of origin when that happened, whether it was your father or siblings or bullies at school, whatever the case may be, um, and, and kind of work at, I call it, you know, and some of the podcasts and things I've listened to, you know, uh, being comfortable, you know, comfortable with uncomfortable emotions, you know, being able to, to sit there in an uncomfortable time and not feel like you have to flee or, cause that was my big thing a lot. Whenever we would have confrontations in the course of our marriage, I would just shut down, yeah. lock myself in the bathroom. Yeah. His favorite place to walk <laughs> in the bathroom, lock the door. Or just like walk out of the house, you know, like I would just, I hated that confrontation and that all came from how I grew up. Yeah. And I just, yeah. So now that's the big part about for me with the, the healing and recovery is, mm-hmm. you know, how you got to the point where you were capable yep. of doing these things yeah. uh, and basically healing to the point where it's never possible again. Yeah. Well, and one of, one of my boundaries I set up in the beginning and we worked through boundaries, man, you together yeah. was no relapse. Yeah. Like, I don't accept that if we're going to do this, well, he wasn't acting out. He wasn't still in an affair. So, but I put that in there, like obviously yeah. no cheating. And that also includes looking at pornography or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, no, I will leave. I will leave the house. Right. The kids and I will leave the house. And. But I, but I mean, we've talked about this too, you know, the zero relapse, you know, recovery. And I, I don't know really how to explain it, but other than the fact of repentance, you know, um, uh, when I told her yes and came clean and I was not only, you know, forgiven by God, but, you know, she, I told her the truth. So we were working towards forgiveness there. Basically what happened is, you know, and I told you this is like all of that head knowledge that I had of, of Christ and what he has done for, for us yeah. as sinners, like finally, resonated in my heart and that repentance just took hold of me and I just had that broken and contrite heart like I don't ever really and since I'm free of it I don't ever want to go back to that you know I just spent had spent too long being a slave to sin and it's not just you know it's not just lust or pornography it's anything like that I don't want to be a slave to sin any longer and I don't have to be you know um and then with the whole 90 day you know, abstinence from viewing it, you know, it completely, the drive really is not there with like the brain pathways and everything. So yeah, you go through a detox, it starts to rewire and reset Mm -hmm. the brain. And that's one of the things that I'm glad that you were able to experience. And, you know, you, you hit on a great point that once you are set, you realize the bondage that you've been living in. And there, when there's true heart transformation, you never want to go back there. 
behavior modification is so different. It's like checking off a box. But when there's been a true heart transformation, you never, ever want to be bound by that ever again. You know, one of the things that both of you mentioned was, um, I know that we worked on setting up a transparency plan Mm -hmm. for both of you where, you know, Kelly, you and I kind of talked about it at first where it's like, okay, present this to him, go through it together. And this where, you know, you as the one who is unfaithful, you take this plan and really go through it and say, this is where the infidelity affected our lives in in all areas. I mean, it's so in-depth. And moving forward, this is how I'm choosing to live in transparency so that we can rebuild trust, honesty, and integrity back in our relationship again. How has that helped you guys moving forward? Um, well, it's when we worked on the transparency plan, I think you had the different um, yeah. areas of life, categories of life we worked through. So he sat down first and you, what did you do? You wrote down everything. Well, me, when I kind of, when I write things like that, I just kind of, I had the different categories, you know, like spiritual, family time, work life. And I just kind of, I kind of just write whatever's in my head at the time. I don't worry about the structure or anything like that. I just spew it all out on the page, you know, so I just wrote everything out and then uh, just tried to identify, you know, what areas that I'm weak in, uh, like, for instance, the alone time one, for instance, you know, like previously in our marriage, like during, during the bad times, we would, Kelly would go to bed and I wouldn't even come back up to bed with her. Mm-hmm. I'd remain downstairs. And that was, a, that's a time of weakness in the evening, you know, kind of the be- bewitching hour, you know, late at night, early morning, that's your most susceptible times because you're weak, you're tired, all of the, you know, the frustrations of the day have kind of mounded up and you know, so inevitably I would, you know, view pornography. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think he was actually looking at it anymore because I, I didn't catch it. Like every now and then I would in the past, I would catch it on the, the browser or whatever. Mm-hmm. So whenever I would check, I wasn't seeing anything. So it just kind of stopped checking. But when we got an iPad, I think that's how you learned how to do the, what was it called? In private. Yeah, the private browser. So he was doing everything there. So everything, you know, I didn't see anything. Yeah. So that was going on for a while. Cause we had, I mean, we've had an iPad for a while. And then you mm-hmm. can even do that on the, the laptop. Yeah, incognito mode. Yeah. Yeah. But so setting up a transparency plan to protect yourself during that alone time was huge for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, I looked at it every now and then, but for the most part, I got so uh, into d- developing this transparency plan that it really took root in my heart, you know, and it, it's just things that I just, they're more of, it's just more m- muscle memory, like learned behavior now, like mm-hmm. um, yep. that I just have gotten to the habit of doing. So, yeah. Yeah. And some of it pointed out things, areas of weakness for him that I wasn't aware of. Like he said, late at night. Like, I just thought he was down there. He loves history. So he's like watching whatever history kick he was on. Um, Or early in the morning, he would grab a device and, you know, look at it or whatever. 
and I wasn't aware of this. So I never knew that a point of weakness was early in the morning when he was alone getting ready for work. Cause I used to not get up with him. Yeah. I homeschooled the kids. He would get up early. We would get up on our schedule. He'd be off to work. Um, so that's changed since we did the transparency plan and all of this. I get up with him at five o'clock. I make his coffee, you know, put his lunch together. Um, and then she usually writes me a nice little love note too. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love oh. that. So but yeah, it's just another way to reinforce. Yep. Like, um, we'll do check-ins and he says that he hasn't had that thought to, well, I'm, I'm going to go look at that, but it's just, you know, it's having that in place where mm-hmm. that alone time just doesn't happen anymore. We're pretty much together all the time, unless you're at work. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Awesome. yeah and, and, when, and when we're not together, it's constant check-ins, you know, like I'll like when I arrive to work in the morning, I'll, I mean, we have life 360 on the phone. So she knows, you know, when I get to work, yeah. Yeah, but I'll just I'm in at the point now where I'll text her just because I want to text her, you know, like, hey, the eagle has landed. I'm at work. Uh, <laughs> I miss you already or something like that, you know, um, it's become or, part of your life. It has. Yeah. And, and it's reestablishing a brand new relationship, too. And it's the and the other part of that, too. The other element is I'm taking that that thing that I was used for evil in the past, you know, texting yeah. a female yeah. and I'm using that to have connection with, with Kelly, you know, and I just, it's a beautiful thing. And then like, if I'll go to a different building at work, I'll usually text her, Hey, I'm, I'm headed to this building or that building. And when I leave at the end of the day, getting ready to leave, you know? So. Yeah. And, and I, I think that there are some men who really um, get very agitated about check-in so to speak right they'll look at it and go well why should I have to text if I'm going to another building or why should I have to do this and I think it boils down to and this is what I'm hearing you say it's not a have to with you it's you get to you it's not a check-in it's an opportunity for a connection yeah beautifully said beautifully said okay well since you said that that leads me into y'all just recently renewed your vows. Um, The 26th of June, I had the honor and privilege of performing your vow renewal, which, which was just so beautiful. Why did you desire to do this? 19 years. Why did you desire, after everything you've been through, why did you desire to renew your vows? I I started having the thought, I don't know, earlier this spring, like I knew one of the things was different triggers and the sexual affair in 2012 started in June. We were married in June and I listened to one of your podcasts about um, like D-Day anniversaries and birthdays and, and anniversaries and all that. And we had talked about it on one of our coaching sessions. And I said that I don't, I don't want June to be, basically, I don't want it to be a nightmare. I don't want to have triggers in June. Like, I don't want this to keep having power over me. And I knew our anniversary was coming up and we, we've never gotten to, well, we've never gotten to do a lot on our anniversary, but we also haven't put as much energy into it as we did this year to making it happen. Um, So it was our 19th anniversary and, and it would be obvious, you know, oh, we'll do it for 20. We'll yeah. do it for our, you know, because it's a big number. 
put it off. Yeah. And I told Josh, I said, I don't want to wait until 20. That's a whole nother year away. I want to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran it by you because I thought maybe I was crazy because it was, you know, we're still, we're not even a year out from D-Day. So I was like, well, I don't even know if this is something that's healthy to do at this point. Um, but I wanted to reclaim June. I wanted to make new memories and take that back and not just be the month of, oh, well, this is the month they started having an affair. I wanted to make new memories, happy memories, you know, marriage 2.0, moving forward. Yeah. How has it been since y'all renewed your vows? We want to come back. No, No, it's been great. Um, But like Kelly said, you know, it's like, we're not under the illusion that this is the same marriage, you know, mm-hmm. this right. marriage 2.0. So we, we wanted to have a, a defined new beginning, mm-hmm. a moment where we could look back and say, you know, that's where the, a lot of the healing had, had happened. And this is the beginning of a new, right. n- you know, new marriage for us. Yes. Um, so that's a big reason why we did it. Um, so. And so now that now that you've done this and now that you are moving forward, what can you say is your plan to keep your relationship safe? I think one of the biggest things is just continual transparency and honesty. Like you, you just can't go back there for so many years. And I feel like there's been so many years robbed. Like the connection that we now have, I never thought that we would get to again. Right. Like Again, I don't think we ever had this connection before. No, we're closer now, which is weird to say after everything that we've been working through. And actually that's, it's not as weird as, as you would think, because couples who really dig in like you have mm-hmm. go on to have better marriages than they ever dreamed possible. And that's what you're describing. Right. In a way, I want to say that I finally got an answer to my prayer because for years I was praying, you know, like, you know, I want to, I want to have this great marriage with my husband, even during the rough times, like, you know, he wanted to have more sex and I didn't feel the emotional connection. I would pray, (laughs) I would pray, God, help me want to have more sex with my husband. Cause I didn't understand, like, I thought maybe something was wrong with me. And now we have that connection and, and we're always, we always have the emotional connection and and I think you've discovered that you really like having that emotional connection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is better than when we were first married. Yeah, this is better than like the first honeymoon, you know? So Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, definitely the, the honesty and the transparency. Um, yeah. And I keep, I keep standing on that verse that um, God will restore what the locusts have eaten. Absolutely. I use that a lot. And God... Yeah store what the locusts have eaten we have our part to play just Mm -hmm. like you know in scripture over and over again you know jesus told the man at the synagogue stretch out your hand so you can be healed pick up your mat and walk you know it's always something we have a part to play and both of you dove into your recovery work and it's very evident God met you there. He has restored. He has resurrected, breathed brand new life into a brand new relationship and is moving you forward. And what I would love to kind of land us with today is, you know, Kelly, I would love for you to give some encouraging words, if you can, 
to the betrayed spouse and, you know, just really speak to that betrayed spouse. One thing to encourage them, one thing you would like them to know because they're dealing with it and they are hopeless right now. It's hard to pick one thing. (laughs) So I would say that there absolutely is hope for rebuilding recovery if there is complete transparency and honesty because you can't heal from what you don't know. So if the betrayer is not putting everything on the table, so to speak, and there's still secrets and lies, that gives foothold to the devil. And you can't have full healing and recovery if there's still things left unearthed or like that that haven't been told. And I, I, like I said, picking one is really hard. My other one would be to the betrayed. Just know, I think Doug Weiss said this is very important from the very beginning. Like if you go into this knowing this piece of information from the beginning, it helps you that much more. But know that there's nothing that you did or did not do to cause this. Yeah, very good. Yes, that's exactly right. And when you said that, you know, you need to have full transparency, you need to know the truth. Mm-hmm. And if they're not giving you the truth, that's an important thing for a betrayed spouse to know, because they cannot live in denial. They must know the truth so that they know what they're healing from. So very good words of wisdom. Josh, what about you? What about to the unfaithful spouse? If there is something that you could relate to them to really like help them to understand where they are. They understand they might still be in the affair. They might still be watching pornography. If you can say something to them right now, what would you say? Well, I I was kind of, when I was thinking about what I wanted to say, I was thinking about what I wanted to say to somebody that had, you know, going through discovery or disclosure. Um, so if, if I'm going to go down that route, but I guess just the main thing is being broken about what you have done and, you know, that broken, open, willing type mentality. Um, and I wrote this down, but I said, and this is just me speaking, and I, I would probably tell them you should Stay broken about what you have done, but shed the shame at the same time. And you never want to arrive at a place or what you did or the choices you made. They won't crush you or have the ability to break your heart. Because you have to live with that constant awareness of what you have done. But it, but it, but it's so it's so difficult because. You have, you have to have that brokenness in your heart of what you've done, but also not, not have the shame creep in, you know, because I believe that somebody that knows their proper position, uh, you know, with God or their spouse or whoever, like that is broken and stays humble and thankful because it's really all about pride. You know, what yeah. they're doing is all about pride and putting themselves first. Yeah. So kind of take a step back, look at what you're doing, the ramifications and the the pain that is being inflicted on those that you treasure most, your wife, 
your kids, uh, and just kind of take a step back and kind of say, what am I doing? You know, kind of how I said in the beginning, you know, what have I done? Yeah. But just instead of blowing it off and just being addicted to the, to the dopamine or whatever, the very superficial fleshly things, just dig deeper into your soul and say, what, look at the damage I'm inflicting, the harm, the, the pain, the torment, the, the future grief and anguish and the, the sleepless nights. And all, like, that's the thing. They may not think it's a really big deal what they're doing now. And it may feel really great, but if they could be on the other side of things yeah. after, during the recovery process and see the look on your spouse's face, when you tell them what you've done, they would probably change their mind, you know. And for the one, there's a passage, there's a passage in the in the scriptures. I think it's Psalms or Proverbs, you know, where it says, uh, "God resides two places in the heavenlies, and in the hearts of those that are broken and contrite." So that's the main thing that I would like to convey: is don't be proud, stay humble, have a broken heart, because when you have that broken heart. God will be right there with you, directing your paths and helping you through the recovery. Beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself. So the two of you have restored your marriage. You're moving forward and you are looking to a bright future. In one word, do you believe that this is possible for any marriage that's been broken? Yes, definitely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think those are powerful words because I think when we're in the midst of betrayal, we have a tendency to think that nothing can prevail, that God can't resurrect something so damaged. But I believe that your story shows that there is power in a resurrecting God and he can breathe life into anything and make it brand new. I want to thank both of you for your courage for your bravery of sharing your story today. I know it wasn't easy. It's never easy when you go through something like this, much less being just so vulnerable and vocal and being willing to just share it so that hundreds of thousands of people can hear it. But I want you to know that you have really brought hope and healing into the lives of not just the one who's been betrayed, but also the one who was the betrayer. And God's going to use your story, not just here, but I believe that this is just the beginning of God opening doors for the two of you to be a testimony of his greatness and his goodness and his resurrecting power. So thank you for your bravery and thank you for being here. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for stopping by today and spending a little while with me. I hope you enjoyed today's show and found hope, healing, and encouragement. Please remember to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can even screenshot this episode and share it on IG or Facebook stories. This is how we get the message of hope and healing out to all women who are in the midst of betrayal and loss. If you're ready to move out of the devastation of betrayal and take the next step in your healing, make sure to reach out to me and schedule your breakthrough coaching call today. Until next time, love God, live your life passionately, 
and always choose joy in the midst of any circumstance that you may face. Cheers to you, beautiful.